Well, God is so good. We welcome those that join us by television. This, today is a little bit different if you're watching uh, live on the internet. This is a celebration of our 49th year as a church, the Sagemont Church in Houston, Texas. And wherever you might be in the world, we're just celebrating Jesus and how God took a group of 16 people. We're very close now to having 20,000 in uh, membership. Uh, we've seen over 30,000 come into the membership through the years as God has blessed and blessed and blessed. A church that's remained in one accord, a church that's tried to do things scripturally right. I've certainly made mistakes at times, but through it all, God has done exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. And as we're looking in the scripture today, we're continuing on in our series of just reminding ourselves of who we are individually, as families, as our circle of friends, and then as the body of Christ. We're trying to see how meticulously Luke, when he wrote the book of Acts, laid out for the church the formula for success and a formula that will lead to a celebration. I'm entitling the message this morning, A Formula for Celebration. In other words, just because you're a half a century old almost, like in one year, that in itself does not mean that much if you have not kept the main thing as the main thing. If you've gotten off on whatever it takes to build a crowd instead of a family, then you are in serious, serious trouble. But today, we're going to look at how Jesus laid it out so very, very clearly. I uh, could not help but think as I was getting ready to speak to you today on this very special day, uh, a comp illustration. Roy Gale is a, is a pastor now of our Hispanic, the church in Espanol is Sagemont. Roy was a, was a person that owned his own business several years ago. His dad, a wonderful preacher and mom as they started small churches all over the state of Texas. But one day he walked into my office and he said, God's calling me into the ministry. He sold a successful business and uh, came on board and served on our staff literally full time with zero pay for approximately two years. And then God led him to be our minister of missions. Now our pastor the church of, es, uh, uh, of Sage Mott in Espanol. Brother Roy, he's, he's, got a, he's got a brilliant mind, a fabulous personality, and he's a good, him and his wife are fabulous parents. They have a son, Greg, 27, Jacob's 25, Marcus is 23, and Amy is 18 years old. How would you like to raise that bunch that long? But in talking to him some time ago, he shared something with me that fits so much into what I'm trying to teach uh, the church because we're a family. Came time for Amy to get 18 and she wanted a car. Can you imagine such a thing? After you've had three older sons that wanted a car and wanted a car and wanted a car and wanted a car. And the standard way is, well, their friends are getting a car, so buy them a car. But Roy and he came up with a different idea. He and his wife got together and they got to pray. And here was their idea. I think it's a genius idea. You remember where the Bible says, upon this rock I'll build my church, and then the gates of hell won't, won't prevail against it? They came up 
with the idea of uh, not giving their kids a car and a title, but do it a little different. So they called their children in, starting with the first son, and said, Mom and Daddy are going to buy them a new car, and we're going to let you drive it. And as long as you keep the speed limit, don't get any speeding tickets, and it doesn't show up at somewhere it ought not be, you can drive our car. But you know what's going to happen to that car when you start using it for the purpose that we didn't buy it for you to use it for? Mom and Daddy are going to take their car back. He said, it's amazing where they went. It was amazing how fast they drove. It was amazing how that changed the whole deal than take my car and go do this and this with it because it really wasn't their car. Now, how does that compare to the church? Upon this rock, Jesus said, I'll build my church. And as long as it's my church, I will bless it. But when it ceases to be my church, then watch out because it may not be around very long. I think one of the great things for celebration today, right where we are in the text, is for Sagemont to realize whose church this is, how it got started, and how it must continue if God is going to bless it. Because it is not about, that's my church. This is never my church or your church. It is his church, if it's a church. Now, it can, be a, it can be our whatever we're doing, but it's not a New Testament church unless it's the bride of Christ. And as the bride of Christ, there was a formula given that is over and over in the Scripture. On the day of Pentecost, when those 3,000 people gathered that we talked about last time, they, the 120 added 3,000 in one day, and those 3,000 people, listen, their lives were refreshingly changed. They were refreshingly changed. And that's what makes a church a church. Churches are here as instruments of God to be the instrument through which God flows his love and power and grace to change the lives of people. And the history of Sagemont that has allowed it to see more people come to know Christ as personal Savior than have come to just find a new place to go to church, because of that is a result of many people that are sitting right here in this auditorium, and one day you came to Sagemont, and from that visit, something happened or was initiated in your life, and you became a child of God, and you were born again. And old things became new and you were forgiven and you were placed in this body and you didn't just come and join the church and get baptized and then go back and say, well, I got my fire insurance now. If I die, I'm going to heaven because I, I said the prayer and I got dunked and I'm one of the bunch. But I look around here, Dwayne, I'm looking at you over here. I'm looking over here at Mike Hamilton, James and Sandy Upshaw, uh, Chuck Medlin, Pat Medlin, who's one with Beth and I of the original 16. I think the three of us are the only ones that were the, of the original 16. But I look at these people around here and look at Randy Gray. Randy, I remember when you walked right up here to this chair one day and we started on a hunting trip and Tom Landis and these people, you know what happened to these people's life? Notice where they're sitting. They're still close to the front. Can you imagine? But one day God changed their lives. And the people that knew them knew God changed their life. 
Sergio, you're sitting right there too, buddy. I can just look at you and, and call in the eye. And I was there when they trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and their life changed like that. And because of that, people have come. The footage, what happened to you? I think I want some of that. Well, it wasn't Sage, my church, George Vote. I see you sitting over there, buddy. We met at the Houston Rodeo uh, years ago. These people's lives have been changed, folks, by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they live in a real world from all facets of life, but because of the change that takes place with hundreds of others that are here, that's the formula for a church. Jesus Christ died for sinners. He didn't want to build an organization of well-organized people that just love folks everywhere as long as they didn't have to get involved or as long as they didn't have to share their faith. So look at with me at the scripture this morning, looking in Acts chapter two. Uh, I want to take you back to verse 40. Remember the church got started. It said, and many, uh, and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Their world was falling apart just like ours was. Then it says in verse uh, 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Then they continued steadfastly and the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were, to, were together and they had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods. They parted them to all men as every man had a need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Notice that wasn't every Sunday. It was daily, the Lord added to the church. What is the formula for celebration? When people get saved every day because the church is out there in the highways and hedges of life. I quickly did some figuring last night. There have been an average of two people a day saved for the last 49 years to the ministry of Sage My Church that we know about directly. Not one a day, but two a day. And how? We don't meet, but on Sunday and Wednesday, because people went everywhere. Many people you see in the baptistry, they're, they're headed to the baptistry before they get to the church service because they've already trusted Jesus as their Savior. They've already said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. God has saved them. He has led them to a church that will grow them in the fellowship of the Lord. You see... A lot of people believe that, that if the church will pray, God will reveal his plan to the church. I would like to contradict that. I believe if people pray, God will reveal not his plan, himself to the church. There's a big difference. When you see Jesus and you follow Jesus, now you're on the right trail. We can argue about our plans. I thank God that Sage might stayed in one accord all of these years. I'm thankful for the unity that we've enjoyed. But the reason for the unity is not the plan. The reason for the unity is the person. What a wonderful change in our life took place when Jesus came into our heart and we let go of everything, including who runs the church or whether I get to run it or not. But Christ is the head of the church. He is, this is his body. This is his bride. And we are to act 
accordingly. You notice in verse 40, again, save yourselves from this untoward generation. The first thing that is important and the most powerful thing that is important for a church is that it come out from among the world and be separate. Now, one of the things is a little different about Sagemont and my personal leadership of Sagemont, and I'm not arguing the point, I'm just telling you what God has uh, through himself, what I see in the Lord as to how he did things. I all the time am getting letters and comments about why don't we get involved in this and why don't we get involved in that? Why don't we do this? And there's a movement to do that and we're going to be a part of this. We're going to be a part of that and all this kind of thing. It is very, very, very easy for us to get into those issues and not realize that when people get saved, their life changes and they think different. When it comes to the mayor of Houston, Preacher, why don't you get more involved? Listen, the best thing that could happen to anybody in Houston, and if the mayor's not saved, for her to get saved. And if the church will preach what it's supposed to preach, the rest will take care of itself. If my life is not right, pray that I get saved. Don't pray that I follow your plan. There's a big difference in trying to get out there and change the world with religion rather than change your life and then know that when Jesus came into you, you saw sin as sin. And you didn't see it as human rights or a person's right under the Constitution. You realize that old things had passed away, all things have become new, and the Bible has been written in order that everybody know you must be born again, but you can be born again. And so the emphasis is get people saved, not get them politically right, get them saved. And when they get saved, watch out, watch out. Watch out. It says in verse 41, they gladly received his word. They were baptized. 3,000 were added to the church. And their doctrine was built on the solid foundation of the word of God. Everything they did in word or deed, they did it to the glory of God. They did not do it as an organized body of people that were a massive group of numbers that could go in the polls and vote, although every believer knows where to vote. That should be a given. God, forgive us if we don't do what we know is right and we don't study issues and candidates and so forth. But here's my question. How many people am I talking to right now, not only here at Sagemont, but by television, internet, or whatever, you don't even know the doctrine of your church. All you know is I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a Catholic, I'm a bad, I'm Episcopalian, I'm a Church of Christ, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm all, 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 have been all the way. You don't even know what one is. Do you have any idea what the Catholic Church teaches about how you become a Christian or the Presbyterians or the Episcopalian? Do you know? Do you know what they believe about the Trinity? Do you know what they believe about the second coming of Jesus, the bodily resurrection, the atoning death of Jesus on the cross, about being born again, about salvation by grace, about the foreordination of, of God? Do you know any of that? No, I just don't know. All I know is that my grandfather was a Baptist and my, my mother was a Baptist and bless God, I'm going to be one. So if, you don't, if you're not Baptist, I ain't coming. Our church made a bold move several years ago. We lost 17 people and all of them came back before it's over with. Well, one of them did, but he, but he told his family, I wish I would have. 
You know why they left? Because they took Baptists off the sign. Now, 17 left and thousands came. You know why? Because all these denominational names, people out there are saying, I know what a Baptist is. You know, they don't, they don't play the lottery. They don't dance. They don't drink. They don't cuss. If they'd stop all that stuff, the lottery would go, go down. The, the, the breweries would go broke if the Baptists would quit it, you know? <laughs> you hear what I'm saying, Methodist? Did you hear what I said? But now listen to me in seriousness. You better know what this church believes before you give another Sunday to this church. You need to start getting in a Bible study classes, get in the Word of God, hear the teaching that goes on here, and find out what does this book teach, not what does the church teach, what does the book teach, and then the church shares the book with the people. You need to know, are you saved by grace or by works? You need, to, you need to know, is there a heaven or is there a hell? 98% of all the churches in America don't even use those words anymore. Heaven, hell, repentance. They don't do that because people won't come. They don't want to hear that. But listen, the formula for God's church is preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. My word will not return void my word is inspired. My word is my word. Tell the people. The formula for Sagemont has been in any Bible study group, in any pulpit appearance, the people that teach or stand here believe the Bible. That's what happened in the book of Acts. And that's what happens here. Then they were steadfast in fellowship. Each one was a giver as well as a receiver. I can remember when we first got started, our first uh, really big meeting was over at Bob and Barbara Breeden's house right, right around the corner over here behind Dr. Garner's office over there on, I believe it's Sage Hollow. Uh, the first house there on the corner, they still live there. Beautiful daughter Brenda was singing in the choir a while ago. The choir used to rehearse over there and we'd have meetings over there. But you know what happened to all 51 of those people? Every single one of them were in place of service when the doors opened to the church on that Sunday morning. Every person was serving somewhere. That's the secret of a church that has the formula of God. You were not saved to sit on the premises. You were saved to stand on the promises. God didn't save you to do nothing. God saved you because he had a place he wanted to use you. And because of that, as you'll see here in just a moment, great things have happened. They were steadfast in their worship, in their communion, reminding themselves continually of how much God loves them. If you have a doubt today of how much God loves you, stop by the communion room if you're a believer and observe communion with your family or you as an individual with our deacons. Let, let you yourself be reminded of how much God loves you, gave his son to die on the cross for you, shed his blood for you. Be reminded of that. Then it says they were steadfast in prayer. Again, you know why we've got to be steadfast in prayer? One of the reasons, <clears throat> if we're not careful, we'll ignore the will of God and start doing things our way. We will forget what God's word has said and we'll start doing it our way. We have a tendency to go around and find something we like and we feel like, well, that's the way that I want to do it. Whenever these people would talk to God, they would listen to God. They would hear what he had, had to say. This morning, I want us to all remember that if we want to be spirit-filled, there's a ways to, to know it. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, now hear me, we will tell people about Jesus. You hear what I said? 
You say, I'm full of the Holy Ghost and I speak in tongues. Well, bless you. That's another subject. But if you're full of the Holy Spirit, how many people have you led to Jesus this week? This year? How many? Because you see, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll tell people about Jesus. Now, if you want to reverse that, if you'll start telling people about Jesus, you'll get full of the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, start telling the people about Jesus. And when you tell them about Jesus, the Spirit comes with more power so that you can tell more people and many, many more will be born again in the kingdom of God. When we pray, we seek and find the heart of God. Let me tell you something. Those of you that are great thinkers. When with our minds, you know what we reach? You say, I'm just real creative. I try to, I try to, you know, I'm just pretty intelligent. And I like to talk to people that are intelligent. If your message comes out of your mind, you know what you reach in the other person? Their mind. They may agree with you or disagree with you, but it's mind to mind. You know, sometimes there's weakness plus weakness equals more weakness, but still that's what it is. But when you talk from your heart, you reach people's heart. Jesus wants to heal the brokenhearted. And the way he does that is those whose heart was once broken in sin have received the power of the blood, the blood transfusion of Jesus. And the old blood passed away and the new blood flows through Emmanuel's veins as put into us. And it is by his stripes that we are healed. And when our hearts are right, our passion is for those that we know are hurting just like we once hurt, whose lives are like ours once was. And we want them to know Jesus. They knew. These people knew. If they didn't tell people about Jesus as the church, they were keeping Jesus from the people. Would you hear me? The world expects the church to tell them about Jesus. Not about other subjects, about Jesus. When Jesus is the primary thing and Jesus has preeminence, these things that are so aggravating to us and make us all so angry at times that people are so messed up in and are messing their lives up, they take care of ourselves when Jesus is in our lives. It says here that fear came upon every soul, verse 43, and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Many signs and wonders were done by the apostle. You know what fear is? Fear is a holy respect for God. Fear is just knowing God's going to do what he said he would do. If he said he's going to bless, he's going to bless. If he said I'll curse you, it means he's going to curse you. Uh, he, that's what fear is. It's a holy respect. God is a, a, a person of, of his word. But a lot of us just go around and, and we, we've, we've forgotten all of that. And because we leave God out of our church, no miracles come. No power comes. But God is a God of miracles, creation, salvation. Some of you were here several years ago when our church made the biggest step by faith that we ever made. 
And that is when God moved upon my heart in a very powerful way, looking when I was made the moderator of Union Baptist Association and the way I got that high position was I missed three meetings in a row and I got elected. <laughs> and so I had to find out what I was leading. When I came to find out of those 500 and some odd churches in Houston, which was the largest association of Baptists in the world, I found out that those churches gave $2.2 million, uh, $2 million to world missions and in the same year gave $3.5 million to service the debts on their building. I read the Bible through from Genesis to Revelations and all through the scripture. Not one time did God's people ever borrow money to do God's work. They always did it debt free. They did it by prospering the people that were willing to let the wealth flow through them all through the Bible. Still that way today. Still that way today. And our church made a stand, not knowing that prime rate would go to over 20%. We had no idea of all that. But listen to me, new members. Listen to me, guests. 300 families in this church gave their total income to the Lord for 40 days. And God moved heaven upon this church in an incredible way. As we began to, we had, we had struggled and struggled and struggled and we were ready to go into building a, a building. And in those 40 days, the people gave $1 million to start the HRA auditorium. It took us 13 months as the people, and I wanna restate that, when we gave our total 40 days, it was to build the building, but we had those families and others that in 14 months, over and above their tithes and offerings, they gave the money to get a $660,000 debt cleared with a promise to God. We'll never, never spend a dollar that you don't bless by giving it to somebody that will give it to you and will use it for that. When that happened, it shook. It literally shook some of the greatest churches in America. And I can name the churches and the pastor. 1984, I spent my entire year going church to church to church. The First Baptist Dallas's. I, I, I went to Alabama, Georgia, and all the Florida, uh, Colorado. And, and the preacher said, that's not, that's not practical. It's not reasonable. Well, that made it good. It must be God must be in this. You know, God's rather, he's not very reasonable. He's not very practical. And of course, the big deal was when we said we would borrow money. I mean, we'd never borrow money again. And, uh, and if God didn't provide for it, we'd just do without it. It was a great illustration for our families too. A lot of people started getting out of debt. But my pastor friend said that will never work in this generation. It'll never work in this economy. It'll never work at this time. But you know what it did? It did. It did in such a powerful way. I want to show you something. I want to show you a slide. This slide came to me this week. It is from Aruba. There's a church going up because of a deacon at Nassau Bay Baptist Church who is debt-free now, that we had the chance to eat. A deacon went to Aruba, started a church. That's going on right now. He sent us a letter that said, because God did it in America, he's gonna do it in Aruba. What you see there is paid for in full. But a church is booming there and is going to, going to be full when it's opened up in Aruba. God blesses anybody that lets God be God. We can help with this. You can help individually with this because they're not going to build one thing until God provides. That engineer's name was Cedric Charles. Some of you may remember Cedric. He was an engineer with Coastal Corporation. When God touched his heart, 
through what the people of Sagemont Church let God do through them. Now he's writing and saying, keep praying. God is doing it here. Because here's what the scripture says. It says they believed they were together. They had all things in common. They were known for their unity. That's one of the biggest strengths about Sagemont. We're known for our unity. We're in one accord. We choose to vote most of the time unanimously by secret ballots with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of votes cast. There may be six or eight negative votes on a secret ballot vote with all of the membership here. It says they sold their possessions and goods. They parted them to all men as every man had a need, but they began to build families. I want you to look at slide number two. This is another miracle, the Danbury Lodge. Some of you have not seen it, but this is the garden crew at Danbury. And these are the men, young and all ages through there, that make that beautiful 85 acres. And some of you have been members 20 years and say, but I don't know, what's that Danbury? I don't know where that is. You know, well, it's where between Alvan and Angleton, there's a place called Danbury. We have 85 acres with a 17,000 foot lodge down there for you and your family to enjoy. And this is the group, volunteers every week to go down. And I want to stop right now and say something to the to the landscape team at Sagemont Church Main Campus. The campus today is the most beautiful ever, anywhere you'll ever see. Amen, amen to Chuck. Brother Trainer and your fabulous crew, they volunteer every Saturday to work out here. Have you seen the flags that are up in front of the new chapel? Uh, the Texas flag, the Christian flag, the American flag and all. How does all of that do? Because people have found a place to serve the Lord and people get saved mowing the grass out here. Yes, I can tell you several of them got saved off their lawnmowers. They just came to church and said, I'm not saved, but I like to ride one of those lawnmowers. You go like that, always wanted to do so. And about two mowings and they get saved. That's why you get saved daily. And then verse 47 said, they praise God having favor with all the people and the Lord added to church daily, such as should be saved. As those people get together celebrating, I want you to see our I Connect group. This is the kind of groups that can go down and use Danbury. I want you to show the picture of, that's the Amazing Grace group. That's one of the prayingest bunches in our church. That's some of our young adults and their family enjoying some time together on a Saturday. I got one more picture I want to show you. This is from across the street, Sutsbury Elementary School. We received this past week. I hope you can read that. The Pastor Independent School District, thanks for your dedication, commitment to the educational achievement of our students. That's the public school across the street. 22 years, Sagemont Church has reached across the street to the children of this community and have done unmeasurable things. And that's the children who put all this together and got their picture made and Wow, 22 years, great, thank you from the kids across the street at, Sage, at Stutzbury School. Aren't you glad to be a part of a church that can get outside its walls and we can show you hundreds of pictures like this? Aren't you glad that you can be part of something like that that goes outside the walls? Thank you, women's ministry, for the teachers' lounges that you've fixed up in so many of the public schools out here where those precious teachers can have a place to go and relax without black and white TV and coffee pots that drip, uh, but can sit in their nice lounges that you have made right in one day, seven hours, and you have made so many of those. That's the kind of thing that saved people can do 
that gives the first touch of, to the community and many children will be at Bible school this week just because of those of you that are involved in that. Now I must close, but I want you to look at my final thought in, in Acts chapter three. I don't have time to read it, but as they moved outside the walls, like the picture I'm showing you here, Peter and John, they went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. You notice what they were going for? They were going for a prayer meeting. It was the ninth hour of the day. They saw a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried out and sat down there. They laid him daily at the gate where he was beggar. He asked alms of those that entered into the temple. And Peter and John, when they came by, they looked down and they saw him. Here's what they said. Silver and gold, we don't have. But such as we have, we're going to give that to you. This man was healed. Verse 8 says, he leaped up. He walked. He entered with them and went into the temple to pray, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw, just like these that I pointed out here, close to the front. The people saw that Jesus made a difference in their life. And it says in that 10th verse, and they knew that it was he that set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. That's the formula for celebrating at the church. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Sage my church, as Brother Bill has said it very clearly, it matters not who the singer is or who the preacher is. It matters not who the teacher is as long as the gospel is being presented accurately and clearly. But it makes a whole lot of difference who the people are that claim to be Christians. We've got to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. We've got to be a more than just talking the talk. We've got to walk the walk. We need to pray for those that are living in sin and not just condemn them. Then don't condemn the sinner, condemn the sin. Deal with the sin. But please, please, please don't lose the formula. Church, don't ever listen to what people want and try to make what the people want. Because what the people want now is not what they're going to want in 10 years. But there's one thing that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's God's word. It's God's grace. It's God's salvation. It's that there's no other name given among, where, no, no name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Beth and I are so grateful to have had the experience of 49 years at this spot and see the miracle after miracle after miracle. And for those of you that are our guests today, we have the book that we want to give you of the Sagemont story, along with the beautiful family Bible. And they'll be waiting for you over here in the hospitality room in just a moment. But now we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to ask every person here to just stop for a moment. And I want you to make a recommitment of yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not serving somewhere, would you pray, God, tell me where I need to be serving. Some things take 10 minutes a week. Some things may take hours a week. But would you just stop today and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Let this be a day of recommitment, rededication, a recommitment of yourself to be everything that God saved you to be, equipped you to be, and gave you the spiritual gifts to do. Lord, where would you want me to serve? How can I fit in? Maybe it's at Bible school next week that I could come there and be a part of that, not just 
walk the halls, but be a part of leading those precious children. Maybe I could form a prayer group. It may not be a big group, but it may be. But I want to do that. So you think about that. But my primary invitation to you, as it always is, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, why not today? There's no sin God will not forgive. And not only will he forgive them, but he'll forget them and he'll remember them no more. But you've got to put it under the blood. What a great day for you to do it on an anniversary day where we're celebrating what the Lord has done, but looking forward to what he will do. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Why don't you give your heart to Christ today and pray that simple prayer. Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner today and save me in Jesus name. Amen. Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. And as I said earlier, if you need to be baptized and you want to be baptized today, go back to our hospitality, uh, to our uh, connection center and tell the folks there, this is my name. I want to be baptized tonight and we'll be ready for you. If you need a church home and you understand what this church is and you're ready to join, we'd love to have you as members. If you still have questions, we'd love to talk to you to have those questions be answered. Now, dear God, we pray that you'll take our invitation. You know our hearts. You know the purpose of your church. You know what the future is that you have planned for it. And as you look across this audience, as you see people, or they may be watching or listening via technology, but this is the first day of their life and you want to call them out, convict them, save them. Would you do it? In Jesus' name I pray, amen.